0: Thanks, Pastor Chad. Anybody like my shirt? (laughs) There's a reason I wore it this morning. We're going to find out. So uh, we're actually going to be talking about identity theft. We're in the middle of a series entitled Identity Theft. And this morning we're going to be talking about well, actually, we should talk about last week for a minute. Last week, we had a great service. It was amazing. God did some incredible things in people's lives. We were testimony back of, of just God touching people's lives in a special way. And Last week, we talked about each person in this room having an internal value because they were created in the image of God and how much God desperately loves each person in this room and has a great plan and a purpose for your life. If you would just be willing to surrender to that plan. It was a great Sunday. And uh, we talked about how the real question was, were we going to accept that identity? And there were actually people or different things that caused us to give up our identity that God has given us. And last week we talked about, don't allow the enemy to steal your true identity. So we talked about the enemy and the devil trying to steal our true identity, trying to lie to us. And we talked about three different lies that that he tries to use in order to steal our true identity. This morning we're going to be looking at another group of people that try and steal our identity in Christ. And it's this. Don't allow others to steal your true identity in Jesus Christ. Don't allow others to steal your true identity. So, there are a lot of people in this world right now that are vying for your identity Marketing people make you think that you have less value because you don't have the right car or you don't have the right haircut or you don't have the right physique. There are people all around you looking to try and conform you into a certain image that they like. They want to encapsulate you into something. That's kind of where trends happen. And I'm not saying a person can't be look nice or be trendy or follow designs or different things like that. But that's why I wore this shirt today. I wore this shirt not necessarily to set a trend, but it actually was an experiment about how many would actually come up and ask me about my shirt or talk to me about it. To which at least 14 people this morning addressed my shirt directly. My wife doesn't normally allow me to wear this outside the house, but she made an exception this morning. Because I said, I really need it. I really need it. It's an illustration for the sermon today. And all of you that played into my trap, thank you. That was so well done. You did a great job, yeah. Uh, So it was interesting that the Bible study teacher of Gary Brown's leadership class this morning was wearing a Hawaiian shirt. So I thought that was pretty cool. I'm trendy, except he was from Hawaii. (laughs) And I'm from North Dakota. But you know what guys, the thing about this is, is that if you allow other people, maybe you you feel like you have to dress a certain way or act a certain way to be accepted, then you've probably already given your true identity away to others. You ever thought of that? Maybe you feel like you have to be encapsulated and and try and fit in with all the norms and all of the trends and all of the things that are going on, just so that you don't stick out, so you're not different. Our main point this morning is don't allow others to steal your true identity. But before we look to God's Word, because there's an incredible passage of Scripture in the book of Romans that talks about this and how important it is to keep our true identity. But before we do, I'd like to pray. So if you would bow your heads with me, and then we're going to turn in our Bibles in just a minute. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to share your word with your people. And God, I know that there are a lot of people... Well, God, I know that all of us, in ways, struggle with this topic of allowing others to control our our identity. So, God, I'm asking, even as your word says, God, I'm asking, Lord Jesus, for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to come upon our hearts today. So, God, that we could know you better, Lord Jesus that we would know your love for us, that we would know our identity and the true identity that you have given us and who you created us to be. So, God, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be open to what you would have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles or your electronic device this morning and turn with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It'll be up on the screen. It'll be in the New Living Translation this morning. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says this. Do not copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, what is good and which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let's start out looking at this passage of Scripture here. First off, it says, don't conform or don't copy. Now, this phrase here in the Greek language, and if you, if just, if you want to tone me out for 30 seconds, you can. That's fine. But in the Greek language, this is a present passive imperative with a negative participle. Okay, what that means in translation. Okay. Translation. I read that in a book. I'm not that smart, all right? But what this means in the Greek, it is very special. What it means is that it actually means to stop and act already in progress or in process. So Paul was saying the church was struggling with its identity and it was trying—it was falling into the trap of trying to be like the world, trying to act like the world, trying to be like the rest of the world, and they were trying to conform. And Paul says, listen, don't conform, don't fashion your life, as Matthew Henry says, don't fashion your life the way the world does, but instead don't conform and it's a continual action. So he's saying, listen, don't continuously conform the patterns of this world but instead he says be transformed so it says do not conform it means to stop an act already started but this word but be transformed means to continue an act already started Okay, so it's the same phrasing. So it's to continue an act already started. When we come to Jesus and we ask Jesus to be the leader of our life, our Lord and Savior, we ask Jesus into our heart, however you want to describe that. At that moment, the Bible says a change happens in our heart. Something transformational happens, and it, it's instantaneous, and it happens, and the Bible says that we're a new creation in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that all of the things in our life that, that, that are are not like Jesus immediately go away and we look just like him. It's kind of like a person fashioning or whittling a piece of wood that with each stroke, the piece of wood becomes more and more like, say, a seal if you're trying to make that. And that's the process of, it's called sanctification. It's a big word that, that people use. But what it is, it's the ongoing process of becoming more and more like Jesus one knife stroke at a time. It's an ongoing process. So Paul's saying, listen, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed. Continually become more and more like Jesus Christ. And it's not conforming. Paul isn't saying, so don't conform to the world, so instead conform to the church. That's not what he's saying. Paul is saying, don't conform to the world, don't conform to all of the other things, that it's not a bunch of rules and regulations that you're trying to follow, But it's a radical change from the inside outward that's happening continuously. It's not just making an external difference where we just start being better or doing good and all of this kind of stuff. Paul is saying, listen, it's more about a radical transformation that's working from the inside of your heart outward. And it's changing you continuously. There are many people in this room that would love to have a transformation this morning. Some people call it revival. Revival. (laughs) <laughs> one person wants revival, that's great. No, <laughs> no, for real. There are a lot of people that are hungering after this thing, and they give it this term called revival. And they're, they're saying, you know what, i really like to, to be revived. And, and some people just think of revival as this. They want God to blow in, blow up, and blow out. They want God to come in and do this radical transformation, struck by lightning, whatever happens, and then my life is drastically different. I walk out of here completely changed. People don't even recognize me. Now, listen, I I fully understand coming face-to-face with God is a transformational moment, but this is not the revival that Paul is talking about. He's not talking about something that is an instantaneous thing. He's saying, listen, this is something that's a continual action in your life that comes from the inside out, and, and it gets greater and greater and greater. And Paul says, listen, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by doing what? Changing the way that you think. Isn't that interesting? That God is saying, listen, I'm going to give a personal revival in your life right now. I'm going to see transformation. The scripture says, don't conform. Don't copy what the world has to offer. Don't try and gain your identity by comparing yourself to a movie star or a sports figure or some other groups of friends. Don't be a copy, but be an original, a new person in God. So don't be a copy. But how do you do this? Scripture says plainly, this is how you do it. It's really simple. By changing the way that you think. Wow. That's huge. Now, this morning, there are people today that you could walk from this room with a personal revival today. You could walk from this room changed in an instant, your life completely transformed, and you know what? You wouldn't have to come down to the front. No one would have to lay hands on you. You wouldn't have to fall down in the spirit. You wouldn't have to uh, be delivered by a demon or anything like that. You know what? All you'd have to do is just simply change the way you think. Could you imagine that? It's that simple. That's what Paul is saying here. And I'm not discrediting all of those things because God does all of those things. And people's lives are radically transformed. But I want you to understand, Paul is talking about that that he is saying, listen, guys, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by simply changing the way that you think. You see, guys, many people are trapped in fear because of what other people might think of them if they took off that mask that they're wearing. Many people struggle with negative thought patterns. You continuously are caught in a rut of being negative. And you know what? If you said today, God, listen, I give you my mind today. I want you to touch me in a special way. I'm changing my mind. The glass is no longer half empty, God. But with you, it's half full. Can you imagine how much that would change your life? If you're trapped in a negative thought pattern continuously. Think about others have allowed society to conform you into something that you're not. You have believed media's lies of needing certain things in order to be happy or looking a certain way in order to be accepted. But listen, it's time to stop believing the lies. It's time to stop believing the lies. It is time to renew your mind. It's time to change the way that you think. But where does the identity thing come in here in scripture? This is where it comes in right here at the end of this scripture. It says do not copy the ha- uh, the ha- behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think and here's the identity portion Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect You see guys when you allow the holy spirit to transform your mind when you allow God to come in and you change the way that you think you know what then you will know, it says, you will know God's will, his plan, or if I can paraphrase this, then you will know your true identity in Jesus Christ. Then you'll know. You'll know your true identity. So, God's will or desire or plan for your life is good. It is pleasing. It is perfect. Now, it doesn't mean that it's easy In fact, it just means that God's complete plan is better than any plan that you or I could ever come up with. And that's what it means. That's what it is. And God's perfect plan for our life. He loves us. He has a great plan for his life, for our life, the scripture tells us. And you know what? Last week, guys, we talked about God's plan for our life and our true identity. And this week, we're gonna be looking at some things about applying, not allowing other people to steal our true identity in Jesus Christ. And so every time we look through a passage of Scripture here at Wofford City Assembly of God, we come to a part part where after we've examined the Scripture then we say, listen, let's take this and how do we apply this to our life? How do we really, really try and get it deep into our hearts, break off all of kind of the Christianese and all of the things that we would try and uh, big words and stuff like that, and really try and simplify what we're talking about and apply it to our hearts today? So here's the question, or here's the statement that we're talking about this morning. Our statement, focus statement was this. Don't allow others to steal your true identity. You see, one of the greatest problems we have when it comes to our identity is we tend to give other people way too much power over who we are. You know that? We give a lot of other people a lot of power to determine who we are. When that's really not anyone else's place. You see... We change to be accepted. We struggle to be loved. We let other people steal who we really are. Instead of being who we really are, we actually trade our true identity for a chance to be accepted by the crowd. You know what? In teen or in teenager lingo, they've called this peer pressure for many years and usually it was saying only our young people have struggle with this only our young people struggle with with identity crisis and all of this kind of stuff but the reality of it is is every person in this room in some way if you don't accept the true identity of Jesus Christ for your life you're actually trading it to other people you're giving something very valuable to them for nothing you're giving them something at a chance that you will be accepted by them so have you ever done that before You ever been fake around people so that they might like you? You ever tried to be someone that you're not to try and impress a girlfriend, an employer, an acquaintance of some kind? You see, guys, society tries to convince you that you would be better off to be someone else. That's what they're trying to convince you. That you would be better off to be someone else rather than you. Because no one's really going to like you. They'll like the fake you, but they won't really like you. The problem is when we buy into these lies, they come at a great price. They cost us our true identity, who we were created to be, the real you, created in God's own image. I'm just wondering if there's anyone in this room that's fed up with that lie. Anyone? A few people? Fed up with trying to please someone else just so that others will like us? Anyone tired of looking at magazines and thinking that they have less value because they don't look like that? Anyone just tr- tired of of not being able to be the person that who you are and not being able to wear Hawaiian shirts whenever you want? I'm free. No. <laughs> No, you think about it, guys. Allowing other people to steal our true identity. You see, guys, many people try and find acceptance in life through others. And they give others the power to control their choices. But really, there's only one person that each person in this room was created to live for. And it was Jesus Christ and is Jesus Christ. You're not created to live for the world. You're not created to live in some mold that someone else is trying to create. You were created to live to be the person that God created you to be. See, guys, your identity is not tied to a number on a bathroom scale or your reflection in a mirror. Your identity is not found in how much you make a year or how many things you own. Your identity is not determined by your popularity, your fame, or even your friends on Facebook. Who you really are is not something you attain, but rather something you discover by knowing Jesus. Who you really are, I'm going to say that again, who you really are is not something you attain from other people, it is rather something that you discover by knowing Jesus Christ personally. Pastor Mike Bro said this. He wrote the book, Identity Theft, and we talked about it last week. But this is a quote from that book. He said, the truth is, when you embrace your true identity as a child of God, you decrease your hunger for power and your appetite for stuff. You're thankful for your life. You deeply appreciate love. And one of the results of your intimacy with God is that you begin to love yourself. You no longer seek the applause of the crowd, the opinions of others that can no longer hold you captive. After all, you've already been accepted by the one who matters the most, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So last week, we talked about the lies that we believe. Lies that steal our true identity. And There's power in the truth, and the Bible says that you will know the truth, and what will it do? Set you free. free. Oh, you guys were listening last week. That's good. The Bible says you'll know the truth, and and it will set you free. And here's the thing. This is what we're going to look at. Just like we did last week, we looked at three different lies. Last week, we talked about three different lies that the enemy tries to feed us, and what is the truth from God's word. Today, I want to give you three different lies that society will try and give you. And then I wanted to see three truths found in God's word that you can take and apply to your life. You know what, today, if you're struggling with the the fact of identity this morning, I'd encourage you to take out your pen and paper, and, and as we go through these, if you're struggling with some of these lies, write down the truth and write down the passage of scripture. And this week, when you are confronted once again with those lies from society that they're gonna try and encapsulate you into a different identity, I want you to take out your scriptures and you begin to read those things, okay? Take out your Bible and begin to read. So here's the first lie that we're gonna be looking at this morning. The first lie is this. You must continually strive to be better because you are incomplete. Incomplete. Society is trying to feed you this lie that you you must continually strive to be better because you are incomplete. You know what? There are people in this room that many of you struggle from a thing called being a workaholic. And the reason why you're a workaholic is because of this. Is some of you had parents... And you could have grown up in a family where you were trying to gain acceptance and the only way you gained acceptance and your parents showed you love was by how hard you worked. And your parents, and I'm not trying to take cheap shots at your parents, they didn't know. But what they did was they stole your identity in that moment. And all of your life, you have worked and worked and worked and worked and worked to try and fulfill an identity that was stolen from you. Listen, I'm not talking to people here saying that you shouldn't work or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that some people, you have bought into this lie that you must continually strive to be better because you are incomplete. And I want to tell you something amazing. The Bible says this, God has made you complete. You don't have to strive to fulfill that identity that you have been trying to, that God has already made you complete. Ephesians 3, 16 through 19 reads this way. It says, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep, deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all of the fullness of life and power that comes from God. See when you experience that identity, the Bible says that when you experience the love of Jesus at such an incredible depth, when He comes into your heart and into your life, and your roots grow down deep, and you have that firm foundation in the love of Jesus Christ, at that moment you are made complete. That you're no longer searching for the emptiness in your heart to fulfill. You're no longer searching this world for acceptance and all that people have to offer. You're no longer looking for those things to infill because just like just like that, the do you remember? The the, the, the Tupperware ball? Do you remember the thing that had all the funny pieces that you, you, you tried to fit in? Some of you were extremely frustrated. Do you remember that? You know what I'm talking about? Do I live on an island somewhere with a bunch of misfit toys or something? Okay, some people are waving at me. All right, I'll keep going. Guys, it, it's like that, that ball that, that for so long you've been trying to fit all of these pieces and you've been trying to take society and fit all these pieces when the piece, the only piece that fits in the hole is God. You've been missing the empty piece in your heart wondering where it is. You tried to fill it with all of these different things. And the reality of it is is that God is the missing piece you're looking for because he completes you. He completes your identity in who you are. You see the unconditional love that God is dependent upon who you are, not what you do. God loves you just the way you are. It's not about striving, but rather allowing Christ to make his home in your heart. So the first lie that we see is that you're striving continuously. To be, you think that you're incomplete, but the reality of it is that God has made you complete. Lie number two is your, your value is determined by what others think of you. Your value is determined by what others think of you. But the truth of the matter is this. Your true value is determined by what God thinks of you. See, a lot of people they run around trying to, to get a, gain acceptance, trying to gain fame, trying to gain all of these things from other people. And maybe if I have the right stuff, and maybe if I drive muscle cars and all of this kind of stuff, and then people like me. Then I can wear Hawaiian shirts whenever I want. Okay? So we take and, and we buy into this lie that our value is determined by what others think of us. But the truth of the matter is your true value is determined by what God thinks of you. First Peter 2, 9 and 10 says this, but you're not like that for you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, You can show others the goodness of God for he has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Listen, when you come to know Jesus Christ in a personal way, you become his, God's own possession his plan and his purpose for every person. God desires that no one perish, but that all would come to repentance, that all would come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know what, guys? That, that in that moment, in that moment, you are complete in him, and the Bible says here that you are his very own possession. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Uh, you, you have the goodness of God. You've been called out of the darkness. That now this life that you have felt, living with no identity, now you have an identity in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in that moment, that's when your identity is changed. Your value, your true value, is determined by what God thinks of you, and He loves you desperately. Every person in this room. The last lie is my dece- my success in life is determined by how much I can accumulate. Anyone ever fell to that lie? The truth of the matter is this is if you have nothing but know Jesus, you have everything. I remember hearing a story, and I share this at funerals from time to time, and um, I remember a story of a young boy, a writer actually, he, he played Monopoly with his grandmother, and his grandmother would always win, and she would always beat him, and he was, he was fed up with grandma beating him at Monopoly. And he said, one summer, I spent the whole summer every single day over across the street at Billy's house. And Billy and I played Monopoly every day. And he said, I learned to be ruthless. I learned to be cutthroat. Was grandma in for a surprise when she came at Thanksgiving? So the first day, we sat down and said, grandma, with that little smirk and grin, he said, let's play Monopoly. Grandma says, okay. So they go and sit down at the table. And he said, I was merciless. I I uncovered the soft underbelly of my grandmother and I destroyed her. I remember when she landed on Park Place when I had four houses and that was my moment of victory. (laughs) She was out of money and I had won. And in that moment, he said, I I wanted to encapsulate it, and and I wanted to to keep the game. He said, and then grandma taught me the most incredible lesson. She began to pick the pieces up one by one and begin to put them back in the box. He says, wait a minute, stop. We need to take a picture. We need to bronze this. We need to put it on the wall. I have victory over grandma. (laughs) And then he said this. He said, in that moment, Grandma taught me the most incredible lesson of my life. She taught me that when the game is over, everything goes back in the box. And the world will try and lie to you. And they will try and tell you that success in this life is determined by how much you can accumulate. But I want you to know that no matter how hard you work, and no matter how how much you accumulate, when the game's over... It all goes back in the box. So, the reality of the matter is the truth is, if you have nothing but you know Jesus, then you have everything. Isn't that a good truth to know? You see, the bottom line is, is you can go into the grave and you can have all of the things that anyone could ever have, and you can have beautiful cars and you can have houses, and everybody else is going to play with your toys when you're done. But you know what? You could go to your grave empty-handed, but if you knew Jesus, the Bible says that you will enter into eternal life, and you will see him face to face, and he'll smile at you, and he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my paradise for eternity. You see, guys, this scripture tells us that our identity in God is not determined by acceptance of others or their praise or their view of who we are I, our identity is not determined by popularity or obscurity. Our d- identity is not going to be determined by bullies pushing us around. Even in moments of heartache, we can have joy knowing that our identity is found in Jesus Christ, his love for us. It's not found in a large bank account or our possessions that we own. We can have nothing in the world's eyes, but in reality, if we have Jesus, we have everything. And this is the scripture to back that up. It's Second Corinthians 6, 8 through 10. It says, we serve God whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they call us imposters. We are ignored even though we are well known. We live close to death, but we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we have been given spiritual riches to others. But we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, yet we have. Everything. You know, I don't know where you're at this morning in your personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but I'd like to offer you an incredible invitation in this moment. I'm not sure if you've been buying into the lies of the identity of what the world has to offer and all of those different things, but I want you to know that the peace that you're missing right now is found in Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here this morning and you would be, in all honesty, you'd say, you know what, Pastor Sheldon, I've been trying to fulfill all the lies that the world has to offer and I've never truly surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. Can we just take a moment? This could be the greatest moment in your life right now is that you would surrender your life to Jesus Christ. So I just ask that every person in the crowd, if you're every head bowed and every eye closed in this moment, I just want you to be thinking and I'm gonna jump down off the stage here so I can see a little bit better about what's going on, and just the quietness of your own heart. I just want to know, I'd like to pray for you. I'm not going to get you out of your seat. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. But if you're here this morning, you'd say, you know what, Pastor Sheldon, I've been buying into the lies of the enemy and all of the things that they have to offer. And the reality of it is, is that I just need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ to complete me. If there's anyone in this room, would you raise your hand or look up at me in this moment? Thank you, sir. One, two, three. Yes. a few already. Is there anyone else today? Just get my attention in some way. Wave to me. Thank you at the back. Yes. Anyone else? Yes. Very back. Yeah. Yeah. After you raise your hand, you can put it down. Anyone else this morning? You said, Pastor Sheldon, I'd like to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. Thanks, buddy. Yep. Back row. Gotcha. Anybody else? Just like 10 more seconds. Maybe you're feeling like you need to be fulfilled in some way. You're trying a whole bunch of different ways and you just come to the realization, thank you, man. you just come to the realization that it's Jesus that you need. God's knocking on the door of your heart, the Bible says. He's knocking at the door. He's waiting for you to come to the door. Because he loves you, he has a great plan and a purpose for your life. Just five more seconds. Is there anyone else here? I don't want to miss anyone in the room. If you'd say, Pastor Sheldon, I'd like to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. and I'd like to ask him to be my Lord and Savior today. I'd like to ask him into my heart. Thanks, man. Let's pray together. Congregation, we've got a lot of friends here today that want to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Would you help me today? I'm going to begin to pray, and would you repeat after me and make it comfortable for all of our friends in this room as well? Would you repeat after me as a congregation? And those of you that raised your hand in some way you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just pray this with me today, and we're just going to begin that relationship with Jesus Christ today. So repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today not knowing my true identity. Would you come into my life and reveal to me your plan, your purpose? I surrender now my entire life to you. Would you come into my life and be my Lord and Savior today? amen amen praise God some of you are probably going man I've never been to a church that claps this much okay so this is what's going on if you raised your hand today to accept Jesus Christ for the first time the reason why people were clapping is because they were in a service just like this at some point in their life and they were the one raising their hands and their life has been drastically different from that moment and that's why they're happy for you. That's why they're clapping and they love you. You know what, guys? We talk about Offer to the Assembly of God being a place of faith, family, and friends. This is just a place where you can find people that are of like mind and are heading in the same direction as you that are just trying to get to be more like Jesus. And that's what we talk about, growing in our faith. None, none of us are perfect here. We're just trying to become more and more like Jesus. Each Sunday, just let God whittle one more piece off the wood. That's all we're trying to do. So guys, I'm going to pray for you and uh, we're going to close our service today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person that's here. God, I thank you for the opportunity that we've had to come to know you in a closer way, Lord Jesus. So God, I thank you, Lord, for our true identity in you that is found in your word. God, we thank you for the love that you have shown towards us. And God, you... You truly do love each person here. I thank you for our friends that made a commitment to you this morning, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would bless them in a special way. And we just speak Philippians 1-6 over every life in this room, being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Bless you guys.